Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. All right, let's go to the Word of God this morning. And when the title comes up, it's going to look really strange. As a matter of fact, you're going to say, Pastor Rick, it looks like there's three titles, not one. And you are exactly right. There are three titles because this is a different kind of a talk today. I've I've had this on my mind, on my heart for a while. I am going to actually share three individual issues that have been on my heart about 10 to 12 minutes each. Some might be longer, some might be shorter. Um, But I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to use these and to help you. So the first thing I want to talk about is up at the top there on the, on the title slide, it says masks, why I wore one and will willingly do so again. I brought a couple of examples of some of the masks that I have worn over the past several months. I wore this one about once. I hated it. It was too tight. It was cloth. Hated that. Most of the time I wore these, which I'm going to be muffled here in just a second, and hopefully I won't rip off my microphone. Some of you are still required, Sherry, every day. Ooh, it's really crackly. Okay, let's get it off. Better? You're welcome. Sherry wears these every day. If you're um, in the school system, you're still wearing masks. And so when I created that title, Masks, Why I Wore One and Will Willingly Do So Again, let me tell you, I did not come up with that title 18 months ago or whenever we started wearing masks. As a matter of fact, 18 months ago, that is not how I felt at all. I do not, still do not like wearing a mask if I'm forced to. My glasses get steamed. Uh, I don't get to see people's faces if we're all in the same room. There's many reasons why I don't like wearing a mask. And when they were mandated and I had to start wearing a mask, I was known to gripe a bit in my home primarily. And my wife finally, and through the influence of my wife and the Holy Spirit, I finally came to what I've titled the message today, Why I Wore One and Will Willingly Do So Again. Her her words to me about the mask was, why are you making such a big deal about this? It's just a mask. Wear it. Now, she was wearing them all day when she was doing it, and I would only wear them when I walked into stores and, and, and where they were required. And she had a good point. Why was I making such a big deal about it? As influential as she was, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that my willingness to wear a mask changed. I still do not enjoy wearing them, but I've been required to. A couple of medical places I went to, one was my dentist, required a mask, and so I put one on when I went in, and I do it willingly. I still still have these in my truck. So let me talk to you about why I wore a mask and will willingly do so again. Now, I've looked at the science. I've looked at the science on both sides. I do not wear a mask because of the science. I've heard about government overstep on the one side or about the need for the government to keep people safe and healthy on the other side. My decision to wear a mask is not based 
on either of these political stands. My decision to wear a mask is because I choose, first of all, now here, here are my decisions, and these are very personal for me. You may disagree or you may come to a different conclusion, but I'm going to challenge you on something at the end. My decision to wear a mask, first of all, is to honor and submit to my Heavenly Father. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven before I am a citizen of this country. I love and I feel blessed to be born here. But coming up on the screen, I am a Christian first. I am an American second. I love the United States of America. I pray for the United States of America. And I love the freedoms that I receive as a citizen of the United States of America. But I am, first of all, a follower of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And I submit, first of all, to King Jesus and to God the Father. Therefore, I willingly wear a mask because of Romans chapter 13, verses one through seven. And in this passage, you have to understand something about the Word of God. And I think because we call it the Word of God, we forget that the Word of God is the words of God. This is God speaking to his people. This is not the Apostle Paul giving his opinion on what God wants. This is not the Apostle Peter sharing what he believes God would communicate. It is not just a pastor communicating a heart. Those who wrote this book, those who penned the words, were under direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and God directed their hands and their words and their ideas, and then they have been maintained and kept for all of us. This is God's Word. And so when you read the Bible or listen to the Bible, you need not to listen to it as just Paul or Peter or Mark or someone else's thoughts. You need to read it that this is God speaking to you and I. As a matter of fact, when I read the passage in Romans, it's going to come up on the screen just as it is in the Scripture, but I am going to read it as if it is God speaking. So coming up on the screen, Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from me. And those in position of authority have been placed there by me. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what I have instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are my servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They're my servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving me in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Now, doesn't it read a little bit different when I change the pronoun, the word God, to me? 
Because that's exactly what God is saying. I have done this. You are my children. You are my servants. Therefore, this is what I want you. This is what I require of you to do. As I looked at that verse and I looked at my grumbling when I was wearing a mask, I looked at my desire not to wear a mask, I looked at my desire to find excuses and reasons why I shouldn't have to wear a mask, I changed. Because I have a heavenly father who says, your government authorities are there because I place them there. And if you choose to rebel against the authority, you're rebelling against what I have instituted. And so I backed off. I said, whoa. Now I want you to maybe look at the passage again, not today, but see if you can find anything in there that says we obey our authorities when we agree with them. Do you agree with your tax rate? I'm not particularly happy with mine, although sometimes when a refund comes in, I'm particularly happy with that. Do you agree that there's more gas tax put on your gasoline, that you don't get a choice of paying if you plan on driving your car? Do you agree that that's a fair amount of money? doesn't matter if you agree or not. The Scripture says God has placed our governing authorities over us, and therefore, as a child of God, we are to submit to them. And in what we have been asked to do in wearing masks, there is not one thing sinful about this. I've heard people make a statement that, oh, we're bowing to Caesar. Well, first of all, Caesar's gone. Secondly, when the Bible says that we are not to bow to governing authorities, it's only when they're requiring us to do something that God told us we're supposed to do. When the apostles stood against the governing authorities, it was all about the fact that they were told not to preach the name of Jesus, and they'd been given a command by Jesus to preach the name of Jesus. So they said, who are we going to obey, God or you? Okay, well, here's the thing. Who are you going to obey, God or the government? Well, if you're going to obey God, you're going to obey the government on this. And if you're going to obey the government, you're obeying God. Because God didn't say that this is sinful. There's nothing sinful about wearing a mask. Uncomfortable, yes. A pain sometimes, yeah. Do I want to do it? No. But I'm not being required to sin. Now, you're saying, but you're, you're, you're laying down rights. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, I am laying down rights. But that's another issue. That's a political issue. That is an issue that many people feel needs to be addressed, this crush of our rights, okay? But that's to be addressed in the voting booth and through other means. It's not to be addressed in how you handle masks. That's the conclusion I've come to. As a child of God, my first priority is to obey my Father. I am not willing to walk in disobedience to him because I'm uncomfortable. I feel like my rights are being trampled on. I will first of all obey, honor, and submit to my king. Bring up the first point this morning. I do not want to lose his favor or blessing 
even if I have to be inconvenienced or lay down some personal rights. Remember, the personal rights didn't come from God. They came from our government. Now, I want to keep my personal rights, but they didn't come from God. So I wore a mask and will willingly wear one again if required, first to obey, honor, and submit to my king. And I will do it willingly. When I walked into the medical or walked up to the door of one of the medical places, I did not realize that they were requiring masks at this place. It was very obvious on their door that I was not to enter without a mask on. It wasn't a suggestion in this place. Uh, the suggestion places, they can suggest. But so I turned around, I walked back to my truck, got a mask, put it on, stepped in through the door. And I did it willingly. Because, first of all, I'm going to honor obey and submit to my king. Now, the second reason that I willingly wear a mask is because I choose to love others. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. We, uh, in communion today, we saw how Jesus loved us. He loved us to death. He loved us so sacrificially that he gave up all of his rights. In fact, before he even died on the cross, he gave up all of his God rights and became a man. He inhabited a human body, God in flesh, having to sleep, having to uh, blow his nose if he had some sinus issues. I don't know if he blew his nose or not. I'm going to assume he did. He had to use the restroom. He had to do everything that we do. Why? Because he gave up all of his God rights. For you and I, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Romans 12 says this, love must be sincere. And again, the word is agape, and we've studied about agape. We'll study more about it in the next several months. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now listen to what it says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. <clears throat> I had to ask myself, and I had to search my heart, were my feelings regarding masks showing love to others? People who are frightened about disease, and there have been plenty of them. Is my desire to stand up for my personal rights a way of being devoted to someone else in love? And is it honoring them above myself? My own attitude? No, it wasn't. It was about me, myself, and I. It was about me feeling pressed upon. It was about me feeling taken advantage of. It was about my rights. But Jesus said it should be about others. In Romans 14, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. <coughs> over what you eat. Now, what does that mean? I'm taking this verse out of Romans 14. Excuse me a second. In Romans 14, Paul makes a very large argument, an argument regarding issues that are really non-issues but became issues in the church, and one was the food that they ate. Was it okay to eat this food because someone felt it wasn't okay to eat this food? And there was this big discussion that was going on. And so Paul gave direction about 
the eating of certain foods. But he ended with this. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't pay, tear apart the work of God over what you eat. I might say, this is, this is just me talking. This isn't the Holy Spirit. This isn't the Word of God. That was the Word of God. Don't tear apart the work of God over a stupid mask. And how many of us have been very aware of churches that have divided or people that have left over these issues that should be non-issues? Now, who is the most divisive force in the universe? Tell me, who is the most divisive force in the universe? I'm sorry? The devil, Satan. Who do you think is working on us to take away both our witness and to uh, divide us so that we lose our abilities to impact the world? Of course, the devil would. And I don't know, sometimes it takes the simplest thing because I could feel it in my own heart. I felt how he was working in my own heart and getting me to be, uh, okay? So don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat or over what you wear or over these issues. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 says this. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value who? Value who? What does it say? Others. Above yourself. It doesn't say value yourself above others. It says value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I ask you, people of God, as you consider what is being posted on social media, what people, people who claim the name of Christ are standing up and rallying around, may I ask you, are they looking out for the interests of others or their own? Now, some might say they're looking out for the, the general body of Christ because of government interference. I understand those things. But at the same time, what about those who are frightened? What about those who wish to humbly submit and honor the Lord? I initially wore a mask, but not without complaining and making comments about how I felt about being made to wear one. As I said, I was convicted of my attitude. I was challenged. Did my attitude reflect valuing others above my own interests? And so, point two in this portion here. I wore a mask and will willingly wear one again if required, first to obey, honor, and submit to the king, and second to show love to others. If another mandate comes down, church, if another mandate comes down, your pastor will have his mask on. If another mandate comes down for public gatherings of a certain size that we are to be wearing masks, we will put the signs back up and I will ask you to willingly put a mask on until this thing is passed. Because I believe our witness and our testimony to the world. We are first of all, remember that Jesus said we, there, are two great, there are two commandments, okay? The great commandments. Love God and what's the second one? Love others. Love God, love others. They supersede everything else. They supersede loving our country. 
They supersede loving ourselves. They supersede our rights. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Everything needs to be filtered that way. So I have a question for you. It's coming up on the screen. And whether you agree with me or not, I want and you can you can make your own decision on, on this kind of stuff. But I'm going to ask you, when you make your decision on how you're going to work through this, here's a question I want you to consider. As a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, and the decisions you're making, is my priority to obey, honor, and submit to my Father and to love others as Jesus loved me? So when you make a decision, whatever that decision would be regarding masks, regarding rights, regarding all those various things, will you make your decision through this filter? As a follower of Jesus, is my priority to obey, honor, and submit to my Father and to love others as Jesus has loved me? Whatever position you take on any issue, run it through that filter. Remember, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. And then I'm going to ask one more thing. Whatever position you take, and maybe your position is mine to wear masks, whatever your position is, how you present your position publicly, on social media, in your family, run it through this filter. As a follower of Jesus, is my priority to obey, honor, and submit to my Father and to love others as Jesus has loved me. So, first mini-sermon I draw now to a close. Bow your head. Let me just pray. Father, I've wrestled through this over the past number of months. Your Holy Spirit has helped me to see clearly that my attitudes have not been attitudes that have placed others first. And my attitudes have not been to honor and submit to you first. And so, Father, I have laid those attitudes down, and I have chosen during this season to follow. I pray that as I share from my own heart, others would be able to find the place where the body of Christ isn't being divided by minor things. But we choose to come together because we love one another and we're willing to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mini Sermon 2. Titles in the middle. Eternity ready, am I? This one's a little heavy and a little emotional for me, my friends. There have been, as you are quite aware, several tragic deaths recently. This past Monday, when word got to me about Lily Strevel being killed as she crossed the street to get on a bus, I just felt my heart sink, and it remained sunk for a while. The tragedy, the loss of a, a young person, she attended Columbus East where Sherry teaches. But she's not the only one who has tragically lost her life. In mid-August, three Fishers teens were killed in South Carolina in a tragic auto accident where someone stole a vehicle, was on the wrong side of the interstate on substances, and killed three teenage girls from Fishers. 
We lost 13 military members a little a week, over a week ago in Afghanistan in a suicide bombing. Lives were lost in the flooding a few weeks ago in Tennessee, in Hurricane Ida down south, and then the flooding that Ida caused across the East Coast this past week. Lives were lost. Here's what went through my mind. Were those who died eternity ready? Were those who died eternity ready? As I saw Lily's picture in our local newspaper, when I saw on the Indianapolis News the photos of the three girls killed in South Carolina, or the photo of the Marine from Logansport, one of the 13, this is what I asked. Did they know Jesus? Did they know Jesus? None of us knows when our time is up. So here's my question for each of you here in the room and for each of you watching online. Are you eternity ready? Maybe you should ask yourself this. In fact, I'm going to ask you to repeat these words in just a moment. Am I eternity ready? In the building, online, everybody, would you, would you say this? Am I eternity ready? Say it one more time. Am I eternity ready? Do you know if today you took your last breath where you would end up eternally? Do you know that? The Bible tells us we can know. The Bible tells us also the way to know. Peter in his preaching, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, this is the very beginning of the church. This is the day of Pentecost. This is Peter's first sermon. He said this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The only way to spend eternity in heaven with God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other name and there is no other way, none. None, none. All of those individuals that I either referenced by name or by circumstance, if they knew Jesus, they know where they went eternally. If they didn't, they now know where they went and I know where they went eternally. eternally. The Bible is very clear that every single person is eternal. In this room, online, in the neighborhood surrounding this church, in the community surrounding this church, in the state in which we live, in the nation in which we live, in the world in which we live, every person who is breathing at this moment is eternal and will live eternally someplace. Only two options. Reincarnation is not an option. Other things are not an option. The Bible tells us it's appointed unto man to die once and then comes judgment. Are you eternally ready? Are you eternally ready? For we're all eternal. We're going to either be in heaven with God and Jesus and all the followers of Jesus if we have accepted the free gift that he has for us or we're going to be in hell apart from God. We're all sinners and we can all agree upon that. Whether you are aware of this or not, I'm going to try to make it very clear in the next about three minutes, four minutes, what the Bible says. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is enjoyable. The wages of the sin, however, is not enjoyable. What you do when you disobey, when you dishonor, when you live in sin can be a lot of fun. But the wages of sin have a death sentence upon your life. The wages of sin is death. But God says, I have a gift for you, and that gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us how we can achieve it, how we can receive the gift. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You cannot earn it. You cannot earn the gift that God has for you. You receive it. You receive it by faith. You cannot be good enough for God to save you. He chose, Jesus chose to pay your debt. So an old line became a song. Maybe the line came from the song, I have a debt I cannot pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. All of us have a death sentence upon us. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said, I will pay your debt and I will make available to you if you will choose the gift that I have, eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. That's the good news. Jesus loved you so much. He died so that you and I wouldn't have to die eternally. But the choice to accept the gift belongs to you. And the gift is offered today. It's offered all the time. Have you received the free gift of forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life in heaven with Jesus? Listen, online, in the building, are you eternity ready? Because if you have not received the free gift, if you have not consciously received the free gift of God, then right now, at this very moment, if you took your last breath, your eternity is set apart from God in hell. If you have consciously received the free gift, you are living for Jesus, then your eternity is set in heaven eternally with God. Well, how do I know if I've accepted it or not? A lot of people say, well, it's just because I prayed a prayer. I went to the altar 15 years ago and prayed a prayer. Where's the evidence in your life? As the Bible says, we're to examine ourselves to see if the evidence of salvation is there. Because there's a lot of people who say, oh yeah, 15 years ago, but they haven't, been, they haven't been living for the Lord. They're not loving other people. They're not praying. They're not in the scriptures. They're not connected to a local church. Let's not put our hope on some prayer that we prayed as fire insurance when we have not chosen to live for God. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You're going to follow. But if you want to make that choice, the free gift is available to you. And you'll have an opportunity to do that before the service is over. Are you eternity ready? Or as I had you repeat, am I eternity ready? I have been praying all week long as I've been putting these thoughts together that God, the Holy Spirit, would make you so uncomfortable if you are not really a follower of Jesus Christ that you would know where you stand. Because some people, they started off good, but then they went and did other things. There's a parable in the Scripture that talks about various types of soil. There's a soil that was called rocky soil. The seed went in, it sprouted. Life in the seed sprouted. But then persecution and other things came and the seed died out. There are other seed that fell amongst 
thorns, which are the cares and the worries of life. That seed had life. It sprouted, but it didn't bear fruit. It was choked out, and it died. There's a lot of people that fall into those two categories. But right now, today, are you eternity ready? And if not, that can change. End of thoughts, too, in one sense, but it's going to tie very much into thoughts, three. And the third set of thoughts is this. Do I care? What do my actions reveal? And you might say, well, do I care about what? Well, I'll tell you. I had to ask myself after the tragedies which I spoke about, the teenagers killed, the Marines killed, all the other deaths which had taken place, here's my question that I had to ask myself. Did anyone tell these folks about the love of Jesus? Remember I asked, did they know Jesus? Were they eternity ready? But then I had to ask, did anybody even tell them? Which caused me to look deep in my own heart and ask myself, do I care about the lost around me? Really? Because my answer is, of course I care about the lost. Of course I'm concerned about members of my family, people I know in the community, people who live in my neighborhood. But then I had to ask myself, really? When was the last time I prayed for my family members? When was the last time I prayed for people I know in this community? When was the last time I prayed for people in my neighborhood? Now, I'm just talking out of my own heart. My answer was a revealing, not very often. And if you're disappointed in your pastor, I'm disappointed in myself. I have not had a spiritual conversation with anyone outside of this church or with another Christian, only with other Christians, but with non-Christians. I haven't had a spiritual conversation with anyone in a very long time. I have prayed for family members that I know that don't know the Lord. Have I prayed for my neighborhood? Have I prayed for people I know in the community, individuals that I know because we have a a working relationship. They could be vendors here at the church, people I know by name. Have I prayed for them? And the answer is a disappointing, not very often. So I have to ask myself, do I really care? Do I really care that this eternal issue is going on right now where people are lost without Jesus and they are going to hell and I'm living my life without making much difference. I may say I care about the lost, but do my actions reflect a deep care for the lost? Do my actions. I hope that yours are better than mine. I was speaking with a pastor friend of mine, and this topic came up about people sharing their faith he made this statement that he had read uh, from some statistics that said less than 10% of Christians 
have ever led anyone to the Lord. Less than 10%. So one in 10 have ever led anyone to the Lord. He said he thinks in his church it's 5% or less. And you're not going to lead anybody to the Lord if you don't share your story, if you don't share about the Lord. Mark chapter 16, verses 16 and 15 and 16, this is what's called the Great Commission. The two places in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16, we have this. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. To all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That means just share good news. Doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or a missionary or have a class. It just means share good news. Share your story. Share with people what Jesus Christ has done for them. And I want to tell you this you're not called to reach everyone. God wants to reach the world, but you're not called to reach everyone. I'm not called to reach everyone. But I want to ask you just a few questions. Besides family, besides family, who will you regularly pray for? Today, I need you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision. Who will you regularly pray for? Who will you ask God to open up an opportunity to tell your story of what Jesus did for you? There are only two places every single person that you interrelate with will go. Heaven with Jesus or hell apart from God. There are only two places. And the responsibility for telling the good news rests firmly on my shoulders and your shoulders. Who will you ask God to open up an opportunity to tell your story of what Jesus did for you? Third, who will you ask God to open up an opportunity to invite to church? Do you really care about the lost? What do your actions, or let me put it this way, what did your actions last week indicate about your care? What did your actions last week indicate about your care? And I'm not just talking about personally sharing. Let's start with praying. How many times did you pray for And you might say this, well, Pastor, I don't know anybody to pray for. Everybody that I know, and this may be true. I'm not going to say it isn't. Everybody that I know is already a Christian. Well, then I want to add another thing on this list here. You should pray, Lord, bring someone into my life that you want me to reach for you. Lord, bring someone in my life that you want me to reach for you. Whether they accept Jesus or not, at least you're part of the process. I asked myself, how many times did teenagers in Lily's life, I don't know if she was a follower of Jesus or not, but if she wasn't, how many times did somebody pray for her or share with her? How many times did someone pray for or share about Jesus with the 13 Marines that in an instant, when they thought they were coming home from Afghanistan, ended up in eternity? Who prayed for them? Who shared with them? Anyone? God has given us a responsibility to go and preach to all creation. You're not going to go and reach the entire world. 
but there's a world that you live in, who will you regularly pray for? I got pretty um, organized on this myself. I said, okay, Lord, who should I pray for? And there's a list of about five individuals, not 500, not 50, five. Five individuals that I interrelate with on a somewhat regular basis where I know. Outside of my family, family's different. I want outside of the family. And I have made a decision to pray. As a matter of fact, even working on this message, as I was working on this point, I would stop and I would go through my list of five. Maybe you don't have a list yet. Ask the Holy Spirit, who? Who for you? Who for you? Who will you regularly pray for? Who will you ask God to open up an opportunity to tell your story of what Jesus did for you? Who will you ask God to open up an opportunity to invite to church? And if you don't know anyone, then you start with this one. Lord, bring someone into my life that you want me to reach for you and that they can be added to the list. Three mini-sermons on this weekend. Three mini-sermons. But each of them have one thing in common. Surrender. Surrender. So as the team comes back to the platform, we have to surrender and submit to loving people first. We have to surrender and submit to our Father. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to lay down your life. Surrender to him and receive the free gift. And you need to surrender some things if you're really going to care about the lost. There are many things we do with our time, many hours that we spend. And I'm not asking or even suggesting that every single hour of every single day is spent praying for or reaching other people. You can still watch your favorite program. You can still enjoy doing things that are fun. But I need, I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us, will we prioritize the lost? Listen, if our church is not going to prioritize the lost, just everybody, I know we're winding down. I know it's a holiday weekend. Just give me your attention. If our church isn't going to prioritize the lost, we really are missing the primary reason we exist. Yes, we exist to care one for another and to love one another, but Jesus came to save. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. One of the key things God has given us to do is to go into all the world. This is Matthew's version of it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We all have someone or some ones that God has placed in our life because we have the ability and the opportunity to touch them through prayer, through sharing, and through other things. Do we really care? If so, it's going to require 
that we surrender some things. If you need Jesus this morning, it's going to require that you surrender your life. Choose to leave your life of sin behind and accept the free gift and choose to live for Jesus. I'll let you figure out how you need to surrender about that whole issue of masks. Would you all stand as the team just leads us? Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.